Hello, money makers and money savers. Welcome to episode 42, How the Ultra-Rich Avoid Taxes. Let's discuss the 1% of the 1% and how they avoid paying their fair share. I'm your host, Dustin Dubé, and this is Finance Fundamentals, where we learn how to stop working so hard for our money and learn how to make it work harder for you. This podcast is entirely based on my experiences and thoughts. I am not a financial advisor, and the thoughts and expressions you hear on this show are my own and are not reflective of my employers, past or present, nor my guests. I am not liable for investments that you make or strategies that you implement upon listening to my show. Now, back to the show. So in America and many parts of the world, we're brought up to believe that everyone pays their fair share of taxes. You make money, you pay taxes to the government, both at the state and federal levels. It supports government salaries, public services like schools and roads, and provides funds for supporting those in need, amongst other things. But as wealth distribution and income inequality has widened in this country, we've noticed that those in the upper echelon of wealth don't pay their fair share of taxes. And the rest of the world is looking at us and wondering, how can that be? Well. For the most part, what they are doing is entirely legal. Tax loopholes, stock compensation, losses. Let's chat about all of that and more today. Special shout out to my wife for this episode idea. First, a brief history lesson on the rise of billionaires. In September 1916 in American newspapers, John D. Rockefeller was listed as the first self-proclaimed billionaire. His wealth rose due to a surge in share prices of his company, Standard Oil. He held 247,692 shares and the value of those alone rose to 499 million. And in the value of his other assets, he was considered the first billionaire. The first known billionaire, that is. It's pretty hard to prove who the first billionaire really was, as wealth wasn't really tracked in this way throughout history. And I'm sure in their own right, Genghis Khan and Caesar were billionaires in terms of gold and value. But the first rightly documented was Rockefeller. Forbes started tracking the richest people in America in the year 1918. But their true Forbes 400 list of wealthiest people wasn't published until 1987, and it's still published today. Rockefeller's worth of $1.2 billion in 1918 is worth over $17 billion in today's money. Henry Ford was dubbed the second billionaire in America, obviously with the mass production of cars. He passed the $1 billion mark in 1925. In 1918, when that first list came out, he was only worth $100 million. It's amazing how quickly things can change. Americans dominated this list for years, decades actually, until years where no Americans were even in the top 10, as other economies around the world were flourishing and developing. In 1988, six out of the top 10 were from Japan, two were from Canada, one was from Saudi Arabia, and one was from Sweden. Today, there are almost 2,800 billionaires worldwide, with a net worth of $13.1 trillion. To put into context how much things have changed in such a short period of time, in 1990 there were only 66 billionaires that were documented, with the wealthiest being worth only 16 billion. Today, the top 10 include 8 Americans, including the likes of Bezos, Musk, Gates, Zuckerberg, Buffett, amongst others, and Bezos has a net worth of 177 billion. This is unimaginable for those in the 90s. The rise and fall of the list is interesting to say the least has ebbs and flows around the dot-com era crash or the housing bubble crash, 
At times, oil and energy dominated the list, others were dominated by retail, and today it's primarily tech. But one thing is certain, the rise of those on the list seem to amass more wealth annually. In fact, 86% of the 2020 list has more wealth in 2021 than they did a year ago. And this is during a global pandemic nonetheless. In the past year and a half, hundreds of thousands of Americans and millions around the world have died of COVID-19 while millions were out of work. One of the bleakest times in history actually turned out to be one of the most lucrative for billionaires. How many times did you order from Amazon in the last year? The top billionaires added 1.2 trillion to their fortunes from January 2020 to the end of April 2021, according to Forbes. Of course, inflation and wealth distribution have changed over the years, but the levels of wealth held today are beyond the imaginable. So are the ultra wealthy getting off easy? Well, obviously, it depends who you ask. President Lyndon Johnson and his Treasury Secretary, Joseph Barr, saw this coming over half a century ago. Millions of Americans were outraged when they found out that 155 Americans were making over $200,000, which is about $1.6 million today, and had paid zero taxes. Barr told Senate that that group included 21 millionaires. Now, $1.6 million is a far shot from $177 billion, but Barr is quoted saying, We face now the possibility of a taxpayer revolt if we do not soon make major reforms in our income taxes. The American public was so outraged that Congress members received more letters about taxes than they did about the Vietnam War in that year. So what happened? Well, Congress did pass some reforms, but it was pretty short-lived. During the election of Reagan in the 80s, through a combination of political donations, lobbying, charitable giving, and even direct bids for political office, the ultra-wealthy have helped shape the debate about taxation in their favor. But that doesn't stop everyone from speaking out. Even some of the billionaires of today have spoken up on behalf of the tax breaks that they're receiving. Warren Buffett, the ultra-wealthy investor and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, wasn't popular among the rich when he wrote in 2011, my friends and I have been coddled long enough by billionaire-friendly Congress. It's time for our government to get serious about shared sacrifice. It's still been a conversation of debate amongst Americans, and people in Congress, and these topics are often coming up in political conversations. And no matter which side of the aisle you're on, I can assure you that the wealthiest of both major political parties are taking advantage of the tax loopholes we'll talk about today. From Bloomberg to Trump to the Clintons, all have and will continue to do so. Now let's make sure we get this clear. Tax evasion is illegal. Wesley Snipes, Pete Rose, Willie Nelson, and many others are all guilty of this. Tax avoidance, on the other hand, is completely legal and oftentimes encouraged. It doesn't matter if you and I think it's unfair. You've probably heard of it being called a loophole, but can it really be called a loophole if it's entirely legal? Probably not. Okay, enough with the history. Let's get to the topic at hand. So today we're not going to just talk about the rich. We're talking about the ultra-rich, the multi billionaires amongst us. They avoid taxes and sometimes pay none. So how do they do it? Billionaires have avoided taxation by paying themselves very low salaries and amassing their fortune in stocks and other assets instead. They then can borrow off those assets to finance their lifestyles rather than selling the assets and paying capital gains taxes. I'm not going to focus on politics. Let's just talk about billionaires in general. Is what they're doing legal? Well, unless our current tax code changes, absolutely. A reminder that we have a federal progressive tax bracket, meaning that you are in a tax bracket 
That does not mean you pay federal income tax on everything you make. The progressive tax system means that people with higher taxable incomes are subject to higher federal income tax rates, and people with lower taxable incomes are subject to lower tax rates. Let's break it down a little further. There are seven tax brackets that range from 10% to 37%. Now that doesn't mean that the wealthy pay taxes at 37% on every dollar made. Their first $9,950 made in 2021 will pay 10%. Then from $9,951 to $40,525, you'll pay 12%, and so on. Progressive, the highest 37% will be reserved for anything that is $523,601 or more. So it isn't as simple as taking your income and multiplying it by a tax rate. But it works in favor as you are a taxpayer. The dollar amounts associated with the rates will be changed in 2022 and will probably be changed in 2023. In recent years, the medium American household earned around $70,000 annually and paid 14% in federal taxes. The highest tax rate, which is 37%, kicked in this year for couples earning $628,300 or more. So for average Americans, there's two common ways of reducing your tax bill, credits and deductions. Credits directly reduce the amount of tax you owe. They don't affect what bracket you're in. Deductions, on the other hand, reduce how much of your income is subject to taxes. Generally, these deductions lower your taxable income by the percentage at your highest federal income tax bracket. So if you fall in a 22% bracket, a $1,000 deduction will save you $220. This is the distinction between above the line and below the line deduction. But I promise you that isn't all the rich are doing. It would barely make a dent for them. And it's estimated that in the 2021 tax year, the 1% may avoid paying up to $163 billion in taxes. So how do they do it? You can think of your income in three different buckets. Taxable, tax deferred, and tax free. The more assets you own, the more areas of the tax code that you unlock and can take advantage of. If you're simply an income earner with no other forms of assets or wealth, you pay your share of taxes and your story ends there. Thus, bucket number one, taxable. The wealthier will diversify. Real estate, stocks, retirement accounts, those are tax deferred. Hello, capital gains, but these are not taxable events until you sell. And a side note, the tax code is overly complicated. Many are likely losing out on opportunities to save on their tax returns. There are deductions and tax breaks for all sorts of things like charitable contributions or higher education. See an accountant if you want the best bang for your buck. I'm not the only person bringing this topic up. ProPublica did an analysis. They obtained IRS data on the tax returns of thousands of the United States wealthiest people over a period of 15 years. They took the data of the 25 wealthiest and looked at the lives of these titans among us, like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Murdoch, Zuckerberg. The data showed income and taxes, but it also shows investments, stock trades, gambling, audits, and much more. And they produce staggering information. Heard of that little guy, Bezos? Well, he's a multi-billionaire and has been for some time. He didn't pay a penny in federal income taxes in 2007 or 2011. And Elon Musk did the same thing in 2018. Bloomberg did it as well. Remember Buffett? Well, he's been looked to for financial advice for decades. When he took over Berkshire Hathaway, a single share was worth around $19. Today, it's worth about half a million dollars. And he has about 240,000 shares. Berkshire is a holding company that has companies like Geico, Fruit of the Loom, Dairy Queen, 
and it invests in a bunch of other stocks as well. So if they invest in Google and Google goes up, the shares of Berkshire will evidently do the same. And he's pointed out numerous times that he pays a lower tax rate than his secretary does. How can that be? His secretary pays income taxes on her salary. Buffett pays capital gains tax on the stock that he sells. Everyday Americans pay taxes through their paycheck, but most of the 1% don't necessarily see high income levels on their returns since most of their real wealth is held through stock and stock options, and they can delay the selling of that stock, thus delaying a capital gains instance. Or they can even use losses to offset gains on years that they do sell stock. It might sound like manipulation, but it's all completely legal. And the net worth of the ultra wealthy grows on investments too. And even if an account went up tens of millions of dollars in value, there's no tax due until a sale. Thus, their net worth increases without Uncle Sam getting his fair share. And the US system is set up around taxes paid when stock sales occur, not when stocks are held. Now remember we're talking about the 1% of the 1%, and they might be getting a break. According to Forbes, those top 25 people analyzed saw their net worth rise a collective of $401 billion from the years 2014 to 2018. They paid a total of $13.6 billion in federal income taxes in those five years. Now, that might sound like a lot, but according to the IRS, it's only a true tax rate of about 3.4% for them. Overall, the ultra-wealthy see the opportunity to take advantage of a tax code to reduce how much they owe. They likely have a team of advisors and accountants on their side. And most of their income comes from stock and real estate, hence capital gains, which has a much lower tax rate than you and I. Long-term stock has a maximum tax rate of 20%, which is well below the 37% for high-income earners. This clearly doesn't work in favor of the story that we've been told that everyone pays their fair share. It doesn't end here. There's also a loophole in capital gains tax called the step-up basis. Typically, capital gains tax is based on the profit, which is the value of the stock minus the value of the original investment. So let's use Bezos as an example. Almost all of his worth is in stock. Let's say he never sells. Thus, no event is being triggered on that stock. Today, a share of Amazon is worth over $3,400. Bezos would need to pay a massive capital gains tax on any shares that he's held since the company went public in 1997. When that IPO occurred, it was $18. This isn't accounting for stock splits since then. But if Bezos holds upon his death, whoever inherits that stock will have a new basis. The new owner's basis will be the current value of the stock at the time of his death. All of those gains from $18 to $3,400 are untaxed. This is how generational wealth occurs. Plenty of other strategies exist as well. A popular tactic is called asset-based lending and it allows these individuals to borrow money against their portfolio when they need cash. If you think about it, if I need cash today and I sell my stock, I trigger a capital gains taxable event. But if I borrow against it, simply pay back my borrowing with a little interest, of course, and the event is not taxable. Thus, I never reported on a tax return. And again, it's completely legal. Others use things like real estate strategies like dynasty trusts. You can pass wealth from one generation to the next, and they don't incur estate taxes every time somebody dies. And it doesn't end with individuals. Corporations definitely play some of the games as well, often exploiting losses and income reinvestment to avoid taxes. In fact, in 2020, 55 of the largest corporations in America paid $0 in federal taxes. 
These included companies like FedEx and Nike. Critics say that yes, they don't pay taxes, but they employ millions of Americans and help the economy. You be the judge. So where do we stand today? Advocacy groups and even President Biden have proposed changing the current capital gains tax and going after some of these so-called loopholes in the tax code, including things like offshore taxes. Some key takeaways from the codes are as follows. Number one, the top individual tax rate would go from 37 to 39.6%. Number two, American corporations' foreign income would be subject to a tax of 21%. Number three, the corporate rate would rise from 21 to 28%. A 15% minimum tax would apply to corporate book income. Number four, the step-up basis on death and carried interest loopholes would be completely eliminated. Number five, caps would exist to limit the tax deferral for realty exchanges and deductions for excess business loss and plenty of other extensions to tax credits and dependency credits. These are some lofty changes, and it's pretty much unseen whether or not he will succeed. But I can promise you an army of lobbyists, corporations, and wealthy individuals are not in favor of these changes, as expected. Many critics say that this could push corporations away from America and cause billionaires to consider residency elsewhere. So you be the judge. We are talking about the 1% of the 1%. Are they paying their fair share? Or do they support the economy in other ways? Provide jobs for millions of Americans? Services that you and I utilize every day? Hopefully this gave you more context on how the ultra-rich avoid paying taxes. And the next time you hear it on the news, or at a family dinner with the holidays coming up, you'll have your own opinion and some of the facts. Together we'll own that road to financial freedom. And I'm really glad you're joining me for it. I want to hear from you. Have a topic you'd like discussed? A suggestion? You can contact me on Instagram, Facebook, email, and more. Check out the description for my link tree. I look forward to hearing from you. The show is written and edited by me. A lot of work goes into these episodes, and I really hope you enjoy them. Until next time on Finance Fundamentals.